Man, who had an awesome time last night? Is that good? Hey, before we before we continue on, in that in that last song, it said, uh, "I've seen you move, you move the mountains." It's one of my favorite songs. Actually, my four year old, uh, it's her favorite song. She'll just randomly start singing it in the kitchen. Uh, it's usually when she's trying to get her way, you know, she's trying to be cute and stuff. And she says, "I've seen you move." You've been the mountains. And I think what happens is we have such an amazing night last night in our session, and we see God move some mountains in our, in our hearts and our minds, and then we're like, oh, that was great, and now we're into the morning session. But what I love about that song is that it talks about the God who does it after and after and after, that he does it again. It says from glory to glory. So I'm just going to ask you today, are you expecting God to do greater things than what he did last night? Because it doesn't sound like you really want him to move any mountains. Right now, it just sounds like you want him just to kind of move some stuff. But if you are willing for him to move some mountains, I think we should give God one more praise of what he did last night. Come on, let's give this guy some praise. I already heard you shouting out. All right, so we're going to go on in. Uh, last night, we talked about uh, just the beginning of training in holiness. Um, I believe that in our hearts, as we've been talking, uh, we've been on this topic called holiness and, and character to be set apart. And I know last night we talked about separation. I believe God did some amazing things. Even talking this morning with some guys in, in the cabin, seeing the, some things that they're separating themselves from. And, and even in my own life, I've noticed some things that I'm being separated from as well. But I told you last night, I kind of hinted towards it, as we're journeying along, uh, I really felt my heart to go from separation into isolation. Because uh, here's the truth. I've seen this so many times. It's not to, it's not to uh, lower your faith. It's not to um, disappoint you. But it's true. And if it's true, then we can talk about it. Uh, but here's the truth. Um, when we begin to separate ourselves from habits and people and setting himself apart, I've noticed that when God sets you apart, just like Jeremiah in the Bible, he spends a lot of time by himself. And that's the last thing we want to do, because here's the truth. Separation almost always leads to isolation. Uh, but isolation, depending how you look at it, is either bad or good. Uh, and I want to today to talk about the isolation series about this crazy dude named John the Baptist. Can you guys hear me? I feel like, am I good? Are you guys good? Can you hear me? We good? All right. I'm going to get louder anyways. So uh, we're going to be in Matthew 3, uh, starting in verse 1. And so I told you we're going to be talking about this guy named John the Baptist. Now, before I read the scripture, let me tell you about John the Baptist. You're going to find out this dude was crazy. Like, this dude is not just like a normal guy. This dude prepared the way for Christ. Uh, so John the Baptist, I know we've heard the story before, but I'm telling you, if you've heard it before, if you haven't heard it before, hear it from a new perspective, that John the Baptist was used greatly by God, and he separated himself, which we're going to find out, but God put him in a season of isolation. But it was in that season of isolation that prepared him for exactly God wanted to do in him. So here we are, Matthew 3, starting in verse 1. If you have your Bible, I want you to look at your Bible. I love telling uh, our, our church, I want you to have a relationship with your Bible uh, instead of the screens. It's because... You, when you leave, you still have your Bible. You can't take that giant screen everywhere, but you can take your Bible everywhere, and you have it on your phone too. So uh, Matthew 3, starting in verse 1, going through 6. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins, which means turn away from your sin, and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said this. So there was a prophet before John even came that spoke these words about John. This is what they said about John. This is a huge deal. He said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness. 
Prepare the way for the Lord's coming, talking about Jesus. Clear the road for him. So his objective was literally to prepare the way for Jesus himself. What a huge honor. But check out John. This is awesome. Verse 4. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locust and wild honey. I think we should have that for lunch today. That sounds good. Forget the pizza. Let's do locusts and wild honey. You guys good for that? You guys want some of lo- You guys are not excited about that. You guys are like, yeah, I'm excited about it. You'll cry as soon as you find out we actually have it. Like, I was kidding. I was kidding. Please, please give me pizza. People from Jerusalem and from all Judea, all over the Jordan Valley, went out to see and hear John. This is important. They went out to see him. He didn't go to them. They went out to see him. It's just crazy that when God gets a hold of some people's lives, a lot of times you don't even have to go see them. They recognize what God's doing in your life, and they come see you. That's huge. That's huge. Here we go. People from Jerusalem came out to see him. Verse 6, and when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. He baptized them in the Jordan River. Now, before I pray, I'm going to read our scripture after this, but before I pray, I want to explain this real fast. John was created to prepare the way, which means we hear a lot about revival. John was one of the very first people to start revival. John came out shouting in the wilderness, and because of that, he prepared the way for Jesus to come. It said that he would shout, repent, for the kingdom of, of God is at hand. People said, here are my sins. I confess. He baptized them. And in this moment, Jesus comes, and he says, hey, John, now it's time for you to baptize me. And then they baptize Jesus, and it fulfills covenant that we see. But before all that happened, before he prepared the way, John spent time in isolation. It said he lived in the desert by himself, in the wilderness, eating locust and honey. Lord, I just pray right now that you would uh, bless our, our time together. I pray that we would be expecting even more in this message because there's some people who have already separated from, from some things, but they're finding themselves in isolation. They're finding themselves in lonely seasons and lonely times. And I just pray by the Spirit of God that you would show us, Father God, that it's in isolation, in isolation, that you do your greatest work. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, when I was younger, I was kind of raised in church, did the whole church thing, followed my parents' God, all that. Uh, and when I was younger, I had the huge honor of being lead actor in one of the best plays that Cornell, Illinois has ever seen. It's a town of 500. I was Jonah. Guys, I, yeah, thank you. I know. I, listen, listen. I thought I was going to be an actor. After I was Jonah, I decided I was going to be a pastor instead. It was my second choice. But I could have been an actor. But I was Jonah, and uh, I, I realized my, my grandpa was a pastor, and they're putting on this huge production called Jonah uh, during Cornell days. Yeah, you've heard something like that. They had the flea markets, the fire trucks shooting buckets with water. Guys, this is, this is revival before revival. Like, this stuff is awesome. Uh, but I was Jonah in the play, and I wanted that part so bad. You know why? Let's just be honest. I wanted to be recognized. Don't act like you wouldn't want to be. I won the part because I want people to know that I got the part. I got the lead part, and so I went after it. I auditioned for it, and I got it. Now, I was so excited about that until they gave me all the lines I've had to memorize. No one told me I had to memorize lines. I thought I'd just go up there and wing it. I've read Jonah, right? I could do this. Uh, and so I don't know about you, but for the next couple months— Literally, when everybody else, you know, who had the one-liners, 
and had all those things. I had to lock myself in the room while everybody else was playing basketball and everyone else was going outside because we actually did that back then before cell phones. We went outside and, and we actually shot basketball outside, like not on the screen. Like we actually did stuff. Anyway, so uh, I'm just giving you a hard time. And so everyone was having fun playing and I'm in my room miserable because I'm like, gosh, I want to do that. But I knew if I didn't spend time in my room preparing, I would make a fool of myself when everyone came and watched a Jonah production. Like, Sean, why even talking about this? Because here's the truth. A lot of us want the spotlight, but we don't want the times of isolation in the room to prepare for the spotlight. A lot of us want the debut. A lot of us want that moment, like we talked about, the talent to take us to where everyone can recognize us. But we don't like the deep, dark rooms of isolation where God does his greatest work. John the Baptist, look at this. It says in Luke 180, John, as soon as he was born, it says this in Scripture, John grew up, he became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness, listen, until he began his public ministry. In the message, it says, until he began his public debut. Meaning, and before John got the spotlight to prepare the way, he lived in isolation. He lived in isolation. God did something in this season of isolation that prepared John the Baptist for his debut. And I just want to encourage you that you wouldn't skip that season. That you wouldn't skip the season of isolation. John the Baptist went through it. Elijah went through it. Moses lived by out in the middle of the desert for 40 years before he led the people through the wilderness for 40 years. Again, we see this theme of isolation pour through. And so my heart today is that if you find yourself in isolation, that I would give you some courage on why it's important to go through it. So if you were writing things down, the number one thing I want to talk to you about is this. Number one, isolation makes us different. Isolation makes us different. Let's just get the elephant out of the room. Let's just do it. Ready? Church folk are different. <laughs> Church folk are kind of weird. Right? We all, why do church people have to be the crazies, right? Because let's just be honest right now. I'm just, I like to be real. I always use it to be real. I don't try to hide things. You've said it sometime. Why do church people have to be so different? Why, church folk can be different. I remember from a time I was growing up, like, church is the only place where as soon as you walk into the place, someone you don't even know can grab you with a smile and be like, I love you so much, and it's okay. To some people, I guess. Like, they're just different. And it says in the scripture that John the Baptist, it said this in Matthew 3, 4, John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts, and wild honey. He was different. That's what they're saying. This dude came out of the desert looking crazy like. He just steps out like, hey guys, what's up? And he's wearing camel hair. Now, I don't know if H&M carries camel hair. If they do, I know Clay would wear it in a heartbeat. But the truth is, <laughs> the truth is, he looked different. There's a point in here that they were trying to make. They were trying to say, listen, John the Baptist, he didn't care what other people thought. This is vital for us young people, even to where I am today. I was just talking with your pastor last night and said, sometimes I'm self-conscious when I preach because I care what people think too much. But God wants to send you in a place of isolation so you can come out wearing some camel hair. Meaning, you can come out saying, I don't care what anybody else says about me because in my isolation, I heard what God said about me. And even though they say negative things about me, I've already heard what God said about me. I have no problem being different. Until we, as a generation, can get to a point that we're okay and comfortable being different, we're not going to do anything great for the kingdom of God. 
Because if we want to lead people to Christ, then we got to look different than where they are in their walk with Christ. John the Baptist came out. They said, who is this guy? Could you imagine, like, if I was thinking about this, I was thinking about showing up to this retreat just wearing, like, camel hair. Just, like, this crazy, like, get-up thing, you know, like, one of those big hats, the purple hats and some suede boots. Oh, I did wear the suede boots. But anyways, I was thinking about this coming in and be like, that dude looks weird. But what's so wrong about looking weird? Now, I'm not saying you leave and scare people. I'm just saying what's so bad about walking into a place and people recognize something different about you. I remember me and my friends, after we went to a conference, we went into Panda Express, where the angels eat. We went to Panda Express, and uh, we were getting some food, and we were just got done, you know, at a session. And as we walked in there, me and my friends were, were laughing, and we were talking, and we were encouraging each other. And the girl who was serving us food was doing such a good job. And we said, hey, you know what? You're killing it. You're doing a good job. And we encouraged her. And she said these words. She said, I just got to let you know that I've been here all day and it's been awful. And just from you guys being in here, it's changed my entire day. Why? I don't know what it is, if it's the camel hair or what. I just don't know. It's just there's something different about you. I want to be a person that walks into a place and says, I've spent some time with God, and I don't have to go and tell people about Christ. They're running to me saying, why do you have so much peace? Why do you have so much joy? Why don't you care what people think about you? How come you don't cave under peer pressure when I do? You look different. Can I tell you why isolation is important? It will get you to a point where you look different, and that's okay because God God didn't need people who stood in. He needed people who stood out. It's like Dr. Seuss said, don't try fitting in when you were born to stand out. I'm going to go Dr. Seuss on you. Who, who likes Dr. Seuss? My girls love Dr. Seuss. He said, why are you trying to fit in when you were born to stand out? And I was just thinking about this week and that that's kind of what you're already doing, right? Not very many people your age say, I'm going to take a whole weekend to seek the presence of God. What are you doing? You're different. Let's just be honest. You're weird. You're different. You turn off the video games. You went somewhere else. You said, I'm going to pay 100 bucks. I'm going to come out to Little Galilee, and I'm going to not get any sleep at night. And I'm going to eat pizza and junk food, and I'm going to do whatever. But at the end of it, I am going to go on a weekend to hear a word from God. I'm going to come back different. You may look different. To you, it looks normal, but not very many people use their whole weekend to pursue Christ. But you guys are different. It's okay to be different. It's all right to be different. And actually, the more different you are, it just shows you that you're comfortable in who God made you to be. John the Baptist walks out like, yeah, I know. You can say all you want. I'm not changing. I'm not changing. So in your isolation, I want to let you know this. God is trying to make you different. And the reason why he's making you different is because when you're different, you stand out. He is not looking for people who fit into the mold. He will take you through a season of isolation to where you care more about what he says than what other people say. And you come out looking different. I just believe that when you go back to your schools, there's going to be something different about you. Not just because you walk in, you're like, oh, what is that? Not because you have to walk in with camel hair, but you're going to walk in with the glory of God. And they're going to be, what happened on that weekend? You're not even going to have a time to talk. They're going to ask you. And God's going to open up doors. Why? Because you look different. You look different. And that's not a bad thing. We are so scared of being different than everybody else. But you know what? I found out that fitting in is overrated. 
my, my wife my wife says something that's so awesome, and she says, you know what, I'd rather look weird and worship God than try to fit in and be bound by chains. So she says, I love it. I'd rather be weird. I don't care. I'm going to throw my hands up. I'm going to jump up and down. I'll let people look at me weird. But let's just be honest. More people look weird at a football game when they take their shirts off and paint their whole body. Number two, you've never done that, though. Isolation positions us for a word from God. Not only does isolation make us different so that we can stand out, isolation also positions us for a word from God. It says in Luke 3, 2, the same story about John the Baptist in the wilderness. It says, during the high priesthood of Annas and uh, Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Do you know where he got the word from God in the first place? in his isolation. Could it be that we're asking God for a word? Show me my future. Show me what I need to do. Show me where I need to go. And he's saying, I will show you in the wilderness. John received the word from God in his isolation. I think isolation is overrated. Now, I'm not saying that you isolate yourself all the time. Jesus himself would go up to the mountain and pray. By himself. I think in our generation, we've gotten so busy, 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 busy. And even when we're not busy, we have our phones and everything. Literally, we are going from sun up to sundown, constantly going. And there's a reason why we have the Sabbath. There's a reason why scripture says be still. There's a reason why Jesus went in solitary and prayed. There's a reason for all of it. And I believe it's this. We need words from God. And words from God come in isolation. It said that the word of the Lord came to him. Isaiah says, The rain and snow come down from the heaven and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Meaning that every time the word comes out, it's going to produce something. That's why I'm really excited about this weekend because I could completely mess up all three of my messages, but as long as I preach the word of God, something's going to come alive in your heart because everything he says will go down and it will produce something. So even if I just, you know, even if I just stumble all over the place, as long as I got the scripture out, God will produce something. It makes my job as a pastor a whole lot better knowing that I can fail, but my God never does fail. That in your isolation, he can bring a word at just the right time. And maybe you came to Little Galilee this weekend just for a simple word. Maybe the whole reason why you came this weekend was God wants to put something in your heart. Maybe he did it last night. Maybe he's doing it right now. Maybe he's going to do it in the next session. Maybe he's doing it when you're doing your devotion in the middle of the woods. I don't know. But sometimes, oftentimes, when he wants to get us a word, he takes us into a quiet place. That's why it's important that we do our devos. That's why it's so amazing to see your leaders say, hey, it's time to go to your devotion. And what we can do is we can maybe laugh it off or be like, okay. And we do it out of obligation. But next time you walk into God's word, remind yourself this. Everything you're looking that wants to be produced in your life comes from that Bible that you open. And so instead of looking as an obligation, look at it as an opportunity for you to grow more like Christ. That's not obligation. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to grow like Christ. It said that the word came in the wilderness. You see, I just did this today, but I brought my, my Skull Candy headphones. If you don't know what those are, they're like these big headphones so that when, you know, <laughs> yeah, so that when, you know, the guys are up till two in the morning. Yeah, I'm talking about you guys right now. 
You see these things? Look at these bags. In my, I'm going to come home. My wife's going to be like, hey, time to watch the girls. I'm like, no, sleep. Sleep first. Then I'll watch the girls. But I got these noise cancellation headphones. And here's the reason why. I don't like being cooped up in my office sometimes preparing. But it's hard for me to prepare when there's chatter everywhere. But I like to go to the coffee shop and get a pour over. Don't judge me. I like to go to the coffee shop and spend way too much money. And while I'm there, I put on my headphones. And I've noticed one thing about my headphones is that in that moment, I can cancel out all other noise and I can begin to study God's word. I can, in just one moment, all the craziness, all the noise, all these things that are going on, in that moment, I can cancel all that out. Why? So I can focus on the word of God and what he wants to speak to me as a leader, as a pastor, as a father, as a friend. What do you want to speak to me right now? And I believe that some of us need to begin to work in some seasons of isolation for this reason. You know what isolation does? It actually puts on some noise cancellation on your ears. You're coming out, you know what you're doing out here this weekend? You're putting on some spiritual headphones to turn off all the noise that you've been hearing, all the chattering, all the labels, all the distractions, and you have put yourself in a position where you can receive a word from God. But here's the truth. He's sending it out. Will you take it? Will you take it? See, this is the hard thing about preaching. That's why I like, I move a lot. I like to sit too. That's what's so hard about preaching sometimes is because it's actually, it's actually a two-way street. You know, me, me and my wife and I get in heated moments of discussion when we argue. When we get into those moments, I realize that we have to work on this together. It's a two-way street. You know what communication is? It's a two-way street. You know what prayer is? It's a two-way street. And what scares me with preaching is I think we've made preaching just a one-way street. And what it is, is like, we're going to come in. He's going to give us a word. We may feel a goosebump. If we don't, well, hmm. But I always say this. How we respond to God's words is how we receive God's word. Sean, why do people clap? Why do people cheer? Why do people go, that's good? Because they're responding to what God is giving to them. And maybe you're here today and you've already turned me off. That's fine. I'm ADD. I get it. Or maybe God's trying to get you a word right now in your isolation. And he's trying to speak to you. Just for one moment. Let's just be super quiet. How uncomfortable is this? Why has this become so awkward because we live in a world that's constantly noisy. But Sean, I don't have time to cancel the noise. That's okay. I'm going to give you another secret because I've realized this. I've preached this many times and said, you need to isolate yourself and turn down all the noise. I found out as a pastor, especially with two young girls, you can never turn down the noise. Can I get, come on, someone be, thank you for being real finally. Like, Sean, I've heard this before. Find a quiet place. Just turn down the noise. But everywhere I go, all at my school, even at church, all my friend circles, I can't turn down the noise. Do you know what I do when it's noisy at my house? You know what I do when, when, when it gets really noisy? Uh, the other day, my girls were, 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 uh, were playing, and they were watching uh, Little Einsteins. We're going on a trip, and my favorite rocket ship, zooming through the sky, Little Einstein. Why do you all know that? 
Anyway, so we were, li- we were listening to it, right? And I finally got to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, like, I need, I need just my time with God. They were watching it, and it was good. And, and, you know, better than that, I was talking to them, and I remember there was all this noise going on, and my daughter, Avery, she's adorable. Oh my gosh, she's so adorable. Uh, I give her everything she wants, kind of. And she comes in, and she goes, Dad! And I'm like, yeah? And she's like, Daddy! I'm like, everything's on in the house. Just turn it down. I'm like, yeah. And I hear, uh, uh. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? And finally, after like doing this back and forth, I'm like walking in there. I mute it. I was like, what do you want? She goes, I love you. Right? I did that for you girls. <laughs> all the girls, like, all the guys are like, ugh, you wait. But here's the truth of it. I had to go in and turn down the volume to hear hers. And I think a lot of times we say, you just need to go and you need to turn down the volume of this world. But last time I tried that, I feel like it gets louder. We see school shootings. We see fear. We see racism. We see hurt and pain. And I feel like every time we try to turn it down, it just gets turned up. So what's the solution? You got to turn up your word. You know what I'm saying? Last time, I remember my girls, were, they were getting on my nerves and they were turning it up. Not that they were, they, were doing it on, they were doing it on purpose. And they kept turning it up. And so I just showed them, I was like, I was listening to music. I'm like, Dad, I can't hear my show. And they would turn it up. And I was like, I can't hear my music. And I would turn it up. What am I trying to say? Maybe instead of turning down the noise around you, you need to start turning up the word of God. You need to start turning up his volume in your ears. You need to get in your word. You need to say, you know what? I may not be able to turn down the music, or I might be able to turn down the noise, but I can turn up any moment I can. I can go little John on this thing. I'll turn up any moment I can. Don't look at me and judge me. You better turn up. You say it everywhere else. Now you need to turn up some volume. You know what happens when you're in your word? You don't just turn down the stuff around you. It can be blasting, but you're turning up the voice of God in your hearts. And when you do that, he will get you a word in your isolation. Sean, I haven't heard a word yet. You have to get in your word. You have to get in your word. He was in the moment where he needed to be, and he gave him a word in isolation. And when he got the word, it was, you need to prepare the way of the Lord. And the last thing in isolation is this. Character, that's we're talking about, holiness, right? Character, holiness, starts in the isolation. It starts there. You see, I I actually preached this a couple years ago, and I called it Deserts Before Debuts. Deserts Before Debuts. And I talked about everyone wants their debut, they all want to go to the next level, but they don't want to go through the desert to get there. And throughout Scripture, we see people go through some stuff to get to where God wants them. And where you are right now, this is huge, where you are right now will define what your debut looks like. And in this story, it said he got a word. And while he was in his desert, this is crazy, guys. I told you to remember this in Matthew 3.3. 3, It said the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said these words. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, in the desert, in his isolation. Prepare the way for the Lord coming. Clear the road for Remember, they came and saw him. This is huge. It didn't say he is a voice shouting out of the wilderness. He is a voice shouting after coming out of the wilderness. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Remember, they came and saw him in his isolation. I think what we do while we're waiting for our debut 
while we're waiting to be, everyone notices us and what our dreams look like and what we want to become. I think what we do is we wait and we throw pity parties in our isolation and we wait till we can get to that point. And I think what we need to begin to realize is your character starts in your isolation. Meaning this, when I was 10 years younger, I believe God put my heart to be a pastor. And what we do is we say, cool, I'm going to be a pastor. And we just jump right into it. But John didn't wait until he got out of his isolation to preach the good word of God, the good news of God. He didn't wait until he got out of the isolation. It said that he shouted in his isolation. Do you know what that means? It means you can still love people while you're waiting. It means you can still use your gift even though you don't have the platform you want. It means that even though there's one person standing in front of you and not 500 people, you can still use your gifts. A lot of people want to wait until we got this amount of people. And he said, he just started preaching in the wilderness. I, I can only imagine John, right? It says that people came out and saw him. I wonder who was first. Like, who was just venturing out? Like, do you hear that? It sounds like someone's talking to himself. He's just shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And the guy comes over the hill. There's this random dude wearing a camel hair jacket, eating locusts. And he's just going, ah. Prepare the way of the Lord, and there's no one around. Jesus, in his wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. It reminds me of in my office before Sunday, before anyone sees. It reminds me of when I remember preaching when, when my pastor back in the day said, Hey, can you preach a message to these three interns? It reminds me of in the, in the seclusion, will you be faithful in the little so God can trust you with much? I told this story this year. I, I mentioned that a couple years ago. Um, you guys may be familiar, but I, I got the privilege of preaching a couple years ago at um, Elevate for their five next old nights. Well, I guess I didn't do anything wrong because they invited me back this past, uh, L, or this past five next old nights. And I told them this because three or four years ago, Brian hit me up and he said, Sean, uh, we would love for you to be a part of five next old nights. And I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. I get to preach. God notices me. Finally, people see me. It's pride. I'm just being honest with you. I, I'm real. Here it is. I've been using my gift for this long. I planted a church. And he says, we want to give you the three-minute offering spot. What? Do you know who I am? Right? I didn't say that, but we kind of think, oh, yeah, per- sure. That sounds great. But deep down inside, you're like, oh, I thought that was like, and he has all these speakers lined up. And I remember I showed up. And I had the offering spot. And God began to work in my heart. And I remember exactly what I preached on. I had three and a half minutes. And I went up there. Seriously, I'm not even kidding. I went up there for three and a half minutes. I preached about being faithful in the little so God could trust you with much. And I remember saying, I thought that I was going to get 35 minutes with y'all, but I only got three minutes. And I'm going to make this the best three minutes of your entire life. And I just threw it down. I just preached as hard as I could for three minutes. Why? Because if God can trust you with three minutes, he can trust you with 35 minutes. Are you putting the same amount of passion with two people that you'll put in 200 people? Or are you cutting corners? He's saying, will you be faithful when no one sees you in your isolation? Why? So I can trust you when everyone sees you on your platform. This is why we go through, we're training in holiness, remember? We want to make sure that where our talent takes us, our character can keep us. You know what God's more interested in? How you love people. You know what God's more interested in? Why you do what you do. He checks 
the motive of our heart. It said that he prepared the way for the Lord. But he started in his isolation. The, the, the truth is that in our isolation, some of you are waiting and we have spent too much time complaining about our isolation. I'm just lonely. I'm just by myself. God is making you different. And he's giving you a word. Right where you are. But you don't have to wait to leave your wilderness to be all that God's asked you to be. Stop waiting. Start now. We had someone show up at our church that wanted to start worshiping. And they came up to my wife and the, and the other, the other uh, leader on the team, and they said, hey, I really, I'm really good at singing. Uh, I just started coming to this church. I love what you guys do up there. I would love to sing on stage with you. And they're like, that's great. You know, you can audition and stuff. And I think they auditioned, and they did good. And my, uh, I don't know if it was my wife or the, or the band director, they said, you have a great voice. That is awesome. So before you uh, get on stage, uh, we want to we ask you if you could greet out at the doors. Or here's a broom. Will you, will you clean up a mess? See, we tell our people all the time, if, even our directors, even me as a pastor, if you're walking in the parking lot and there's trash on the ground and you don't pick it up, why are you really in on this? You see, as a pastor, I had to learn from a young age that setting up chairs was serving people just as much as preaching God's word. And if we don't learn that by pushing a broom, when we get up on the stage... We'll do it for the wrong reasons. Do we know why we're up here? Because people need Jesus. Will you be comfortable with living your whole life preaching Jesus and when you die, people forget about you, but they know more about Christ? That's what God's asking of us. But that comes through the isolation. And as I close, I think again about Jesus, who we always talk about, that not only was he separated, but he was isolated. And let's be honest, Jesus was different. He was different. He stood out. He came in, fully man, fully God, and he came in, even though there was a law and the Pharisees were all doing their thing, he came in and he was different, right? Like when he was supposed to stone that prostitute, he actually said, no, go and sin no more. Like he just, he looked different. People were excited to hear what he had to say. They were looking, they were looking forward to him. They were looking to what he had to do. And, And then he died on the cross, Right? We talked about that last night. He separated himself. God separated himself so he would never separate us. But then guess where he went? Into the grave. Into isolation. And it says in scripture that while he was dead, he was literally taking the keys from hell back. Meaning he was working in his isolation. For you and I. He was working even though he was in isolation, even though his, lo- his body lay dead, he was fighting a battle and he won a battle that we could never win, but it happened in isolation. We look at the grave and at Easter, we're going to celebrate him rising up, but in those three days, he did something that we could never do. He was separated and he was isolated and we're going to talk about transformation in the next session. But today, my, my hope is that you would not neglect the isolation that you're in, that there's some things in your heart right now that maybe you're realizing, I'm by myself, I'm lonely, and I just need to embrace isolation. Because the truth is, isolation is the middle. It's the point in every believer's life where we want to go back. 
Separation, that's the easy part, kind of. Even though it's painful, it's kind of easy to say, I'm not talking to them anymore. I'm not watching that anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. And then when you get into isolation, that's when we begin to be tempted. This is hard. This is difficult. And we want to go back. And my hope for you today is that God would give you a word that you need so you can become everything God has asked you to be. Let's be honest. Some of you want to be, I know that you're in high school right now, but I've met high schoolers who said, I just want to grow up, meet an amazing godly man, and be a great mom. That is a huge deal. You never know who you're raising. So you're like, I want to be a pastor. That's great, but can I tell you something? I look at our people in our church, they're the real MVPs. They're the ones that have to go back in the culture and be the light there. You know what I get to do? I get to sit in my office and pray and ask God for vision for our church. They're the ones that have to go back out and be a light wherever they go. I'm telling you, you're the church. Some of you are going to be engineers. Some of you people are going to be teachers. Some of you are going to be pastors. Some of you are going to step out and you're going to run tech stuff. Some of you might be in, in business. You might be lawyers. I don't know what it is, but I want to let you know whatever it is, God wants to use you like he used John the Baptist. He wants you to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. But if we don't spend time for him preparing us, we won't spend time preparing room for Jesus Christ. So this weekend is time to prepare our hearts. Why? So we can look different and be okay with it. And when you get a word from God, it doesn't matter what anybody else says because of what he said. And that's what he's doing right now. Let's just close your eyes. Lord, we just pray. Father God, in this moment, Lord, as we've already talked about separation, now we're at isolation. I pray, Father God, that this weekend is exactly that, that this is not a bad thing. This is an exciting thing, that there's some people who, who that you want to use for your glory, for your kingdom, that we want to prepare the way for the Lord, but we cannot prepare the way for the Lord until you prepare us. And even though separation may be painful, even though isolation may be tough, Lord, it says in your word that we want to be holy. Why? Because God, you are holy. You are set apart and you paid, you paid way too high a price for us to stay where we are. So Lord, I pray for every note that was taken that in there would be a word for people to hold on to. I pray, Father God, that when they get in your word, they wouldn't see it as an obligation, but they would see it as an opportunity to receive a word that's going to produce something greater than themselves. And I pray for anyone who's walking through the wilderness right now that they wouldn't forget that you're walking with them, that they wouldn't forget that in your isolation you conquered death and hell. And if you conquered death and hell, then you can conquer that anything that we're facing in our life right now. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you continue what you're doing. I pray that even though some may be tired, maybe some may be exhausted right now, I pray that you would just give us energy to hear your word, that we're here to seek you and everything. So in our isolation, while we're at here, Father God, we're asking you to come. We're asking you to speak. We're asking you, Father God, we're going to turn up the noise this weekend so that we can hear your voice above anybody else's voice so we can prepare the way for the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you guys thank God?